Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good morning. It's Sunday, January 16th. I'm Blois Olson. This is Sunday Take on News Talk 830-WCCO. The headlines really have been filled with fear. Fear of Omicron and the rising cases. This week, the mayors in both Minneapolis and St. Paul announced a vaccine mandate. Uh, it was confusing at times and clumsy. Uh, but ultimately, last weekend when I was in Chicago, I was asked for my vaccination card to eat in a restaurant, and I was happy to provide it. I didn't have a strong feeling one way or another, but it wasn't a big burden. And if this helps more people get vaccinated, protects workers, then it's not that big of a deal. Not to mention, Minneapolis and St. Paul have some of the highest vaccination rates. So the likelihood that people in Hennepin and Ramsey counties are going to be burdened by this is pretty low. But really, the feelings of 2022, in addition to the pandemic, are really about public safety. And this week, I feel as though things started to really uh, emerge that there may be some real serious discussion on how to deal with it. This flood, wave, tsunami of carjackings, whatever you want to call it, has, has made people scared. From grocery store parking lots to going to dinner to picking your kid up at daycare. This just isn't the Twin Cities we all have invested in, that we live in, that we love. And so this week's show has a lot of talk about crime, public safety, uh, violent offenders, and what we could do. We start out with Mary Moriarty. She's running for Hennepin County Prosecutor. Uh, she's a former public defender. And we press her as a prosecutor, how would she look at these things? Then we talked to Eric Werner. He's the police chief in Maple Grove. On Friday, Hennepin County police chiefs had a conversation with Governor Walls, who frankly has been too quiet on these crime issues. And we'll see what Governor Walls said to police chiefs. And then we end the day today, we'll uh, check in with Kendall Qualls. He's running for governor. He's a Republican. He's kind of the outsider in the race, but it might be too late. We'll ask him about that, whether or not he'll abide by the endorsement and how he sees that race shaping up. 
ultimately 2022 is going to be about how voters feel. It's not going to be about personalities. It's probably not even going to be as much about politics as the last few elections. It's going to be how people feel. How do they feel about their schools? How do they feel about the virus? How do they feel about the economy? And how do they feel about crime? Because all of these issues have made us feel more, think more. And an emotional voter is an unpredictable one. That's your lesson for 2022 as we go forward. I'm Blaise Olson. This is Sunday Take. When we come back, Mary Moriarty, running for Hennepin County Attorney on News Talk 830-WCCO. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. First guest this morning on Sunday Take is Mary Moriarty. She's running for Hennepin County attorney. She's a former public defender. Uh, and really, you know, on a race that usually doesn't get as much attention, the Hennepin County attorney's race is likely to have a lot of discussion and debate this year. Mary, thanks for joining me on Sunday Take. Thanks for inviting me to be here. So um, let's just dive right in. You've, uh, you know, you prominently announced you're running. Uh, you've been out and about uh, since last year, uh, crime is an issue and there's probably more attention on a prosecutor or any prosecutor, uh, in the twin cities right now. Uh, is it warranted that, you know, some of the attention is on the prosecutor's office and how would you take office, uh, and change things? I, I think attention on every part of the criminal system is warranted. Everybody in the county deserves to feel safe. And right now they don't. And so we should be looking at uh, what we're doing as police, prosecutors, judges, uh, working together is critically important and communicating strategies. There isn't one simple solution to carjackings, for instance, but there are multiple strategies. And some of them involve, as I said, partnering with, <clears throat> excuse me, police agencies across the county, MPD, figuring out strategies for identifying suspects uh, and, and making sure more people are brought into the system so that there's accountability. So yes, I th think it's perfectly appropriate that people start looking at everyone in the system. 
So the job you're running for uh, is very different from the job you used to have. Being a public defender in most people's minds, including mine, is a different job. Does your mindset change? Does your philosophy change? I don't want to say your beliefs change, but how do, how, how do you reconcile the, different, the two different jobs? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and the truth is that my values don't change, but my approach does. When I was a public defender and then chief public defender, I was responsible for representing one client at a time. And that client's interests were in the forefront of my mind. As Hennepin County attorney, I am responsible for the public safety of everyone in Hennepin County. Uh, so that is a different job. The other thing is that the county attorney doesn't represent a single person. They represent everybody, all of the people in Hennepin County. And so the critical thing here is to make sure that in every single case, we are doing the right thing in this particular case for the people of Hennepin County. And that includes accountability. It includes justice. It includes all of that. We can have public safety as well as accountability and justice. Justice is a word that uh, has different meanings to different people. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a word that we've debated. We've talked about it. It came up and uh, has been a part of the public safety reform discussion with Minneapolis Police Department. Um, and I think your perspective on representing all the people of Hennepin County uh, is, is revealing and, and accurate, frankly. And I, I think maybe people don't think of it in those terms. But, but there's, there's polarizing views on some of these things that kind of start and boil out of the debate on public safety that we went through last fall in Minneapolis. You didn't really take a position on a new public safety department or the amendment. And now as you seek to represent all of the people of Hennepin County, if there are two very different views on law enforcement and justice, what is your view for, you know, is it, is it really a case-by-case -case basis or is there guidance um, and kind of a general rule of thumb that you have to go through uh, to make sure judges are sentencing properly? Yeah, and I, I did actually take a pretty definitive view on Charter Amendment 2, which is what you were talking about. And that was that the Hennepin County attorney actually represents Hennepin County elections, which was also representing Minneapolis on the balloting question. I specifically did not take a position because I did not want to have to be recused or asked to remove myself or removed from charter language that comes up in the future. So I analyze that as a lawyer, not a politician. But my views, um, and I've discovered this in talking to people all around Hennepin County, the disagreement that people had was whether they agreed with the specifics of the charter amendment. I have not heard disagreement about there needs to be reform within police. Everybody I've talked to says, yes, we need reform in the police, but it was just a difference of 
do they feel comfortable with that particular charter amendment? So I feel very comfortable going forward that I can unite people because what I talk about are evidence-based practices. I talk about the fact that I have worked with police in my position as chief public defender. And also I was chair of the behavioral health committee in Hennepin County for six years. I worked with suburban police. I worked with MPD. I worked with the sheriff. I worked with uh, social workers and prosecutors on trying to come up with solutions for people struggling with their mental health uh, and substance abuse disorder. And in those conversations, I talked to police and I said, you know, what are the kinds of calls you get that you really don't think you should have to do or you're not trained to do? And they could tell me a lot of those. Um, and they did. And, and in my opinion, what we need to do is, is find, I mean, we have thrown in the laps of police a lot of things that they just don't have time to do. They're not trained to do. They don't want to do. So we can take those things um, out of their purview so that they can focus on violent crime and investigation and responding to priority one 911 calls in less than 15 minutes. Because a priority one 911 call means you need help now. You cannot wait for 15 minutes. And the truth right now is there aren't the resources because police are spread very thin because they're responding to all kinds of calls that really aren't related to responding to violent crime. Mary Moriarty's my guest here on Sunday Take. She's running for Hennepin County attorney. Um, you know, I it, it's, it's fascinating to me how quickly crime uh, emerged as this top issue this year. If you know, usually issues take a little while to develop, but I, I keep saying that this election's about how people feel. Mm-hmm. How should people feel if you're the county attorney about how you will treat, you know, we'll, we'll focus on, you know, the violent repeat, repeat violent offender, um, maybe being out uh, before their sentence is up or things like that. How do you persuade judges to maybe not let people out early or sentence, you know, more strictly for those people who are, you know, kind of repeat violent felons? Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, my tenure, my 31 year tenure as a public defender is very helpful here. I sat in court for 22 years and I watched how prosecutors and judges interacted with people coming into the system. I certainly represented people who came in with trauma, who were not safe in the community. Uh, And I saw victims come in who weren't getting what they were need, what they needed at all. And I understand victim, I was the victim of a, a violent crime. And so what I can tell people is, I do understand what that feels like. I do understand the questions that you have. And you can trust me to be focusing on a more victim-centered approach because that's not what what's happening right now with the county attorney's office. My approach will be, once again, about keeping people safe uh, in, in every city here. And as you mentioned, crime became a much more of a topic and it became that very quickly. And I, th- I agree with you, that happened uh, in many cities across the country because all of a sudden, not only did we start to see carjackings, which wasn't even a separate category of crime several years ago, but they started happening in places where people felt safe, like you know the parking lot of uh, Byerly's. 
Um, and, and, and so people had just never seen that happen um, in areas where they felt safe. And so I understand why people would be concerned about that. I mean, my mother lives not, I live in Minneapolis, my mother lives in Bloomington, and she, you know, texted me and she said, I'm afraid about carjacking. I care about people. I know what happens when you are the victim of a crime. And so what I will be doing is addressing that violent crime, but I will be addressing it using data-based approaches and research-based approaches that we know work, not doing the same thing that we have done for decades and decades and decades, which has not worked to keep us safe. Mary, you broke up your 31 years as a public defender. In 2020, you were removed as the chief public defender. Uh, the chief's, state's chief public defender said it was about questionable management decisions and inability to work professionally. Have you learned from that? Do you still disagree with that assessment? You're going to be running a big law office again. How would you assess what you learned then or who you are now? I would say most people disagreed with that assessment by the state public defender. Including well, Mary, Mary, the- hang on. Who are yeah. most people? Who are most people? Yeah. The National Center for State Courts, which did an independent study of our office and in 2019 found us to be one of the best public defenders offices in the country. Uh, The four union stewards in our office wrote glowing letters of support for me. Uh, Chief Arredondo and uh, Sheriff Hutchinson wrote letters on my behalf. People in the office wrote, I think I heard something like, well, I think the state board got 100 and over 150 letters on my behalf, and there wasn't a single negative one. And then when you look at the reprimand that I got, it was partly about uh, advocating for salary parity for our staff. That was one of the things that Ward was mad about. One of the other things, and you're right about this, it was he was accusing me of not getting along with justice partners who he considered to be uh, uh, Mike Freeman and some judges. But here's what I wanna tell you about that. Um, I was told by the head of uh, public safety in the county and the state public defender that I was to consider myself, this was when I was chief public defender, right? I was to consider myself part of the Hennepin family and I was not to talk about problems in the Hennepin family to the media. Um, I was to keep them to myself. <laughs> and I, I would, and I was also told by the state public defender that I, he had received feedback that I had hurt the feelings of some of my justice partners. So I would say to you, as a, a journalist, um, that should be something offensive to you. I think we all want openness and transparency. And what I will bring. Uh, as Hennepin County attorney is transparency, accountability, uh, and uh, accessibility. And yes, you asked me too, did I learn some things? Yes, I did. I am always learning uh, about situations. Uh, I try to take away uh, what I can learn. And I will tell you, you know, I certainly, I did retire as a Hennepin County public defender um, and I could be retired right now. But the way I think I can contribute to our community right now is using my experience and my expertise in management as well, uh, and my passion for racial equity and reforms and also public safety. Mary, I think that's a really good answer because I think 
you know, as somebody who follows these things fairly closely, uh, those are probably the things that, you know, were in the weeds at that time and the headlines mm -hmm. probably didn't reveal it. And so what I would say is, please always, always let the media know as a public <laughs> official, if you're elected, uh, you'll, you'll never find anybody more adamant about transparency uh, in Minnesota mm -hmm. than me. So um, as we wrap here, um, what, you know, when you look at, uh, let's just focus on kind of the issue, uh, you know, of the week, let's just say is police mm -hmm. chiefs from the suburbs of Hennepin County looking mm -hmm. for a diff they're looking for support. They're looking to how to understand this. And, and, and I, I think that, you know, if you haven't been in criminal justice one one for a while, the interaction between departments, prosecutors, evidence coming to the case, Mm -hmm. Because there has been this sense, well, we don't have enough evidence to charge or we don't have enough or, you know, somebody's convicted and then the judge, you know, maybe has a lighter sentence. How do we how do we kind of I don't know, I don't want to say right size, but how do we make sure that we don't have headlines based on mm -hmm. multiple places in the system kind of missing, you know, these the 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 headlines. The, the offenders that make the headlines and and drive the fear? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I've met with some police chiefs in Hennepin County, and I've said to them, what do you want to see from the next county attorney? And they said communication. We, we want to work with you. We want communication. Um, and we're not getting that right now. And so I think it's critically important to partner with police chiefs from all over the county um, including Minneapolis, and really sit down and figure out, hey, what's going on here? Um, one thing that I will say is I, when I sat down with them and I said, well, what, what do you want to see from me? And, and one of them said, I want to see the revolving door stop. And I said, you know, I've heard that phrase and I, I don't want to assume that I know what you're talking about. So can you tell me specifically what you mean? And they started talking about Freeman's bail policies and the fact that he was letting people out, the, the bail policy let people out on violent offenses. And she said she hadn't seen it. And I said, I've actually seen it and it's 19 offenses. It's only a first time offense and none of them are violent. So that's not it. So what yeah. I wanna do is really make sure that we're talking about the actual problem. There is a problem with carjacking and people don't feel safe. And I think police chiefs are frustrated. I think everybody's frustrated. And what we don't want to happen is have people pointing fingers at each other because that never helps. I mean, the public wants us to get it together and figure out how to make them safe. And I am committed to doing that. As I said, I worked with police. Um, I will listen to them. We won't always agree, but we need to partner. The public wants to see us sit down and figure out strategies for keeping them safe. And I am fully committed to doing that. Mary Moriarty, thanks for joining me on Sunday Take. I know we'll talk down the line as well. When we come back, what do police chiefs think? How do they feel? And where are their frustrations? I'm Blaise Olson. This is News Talk 830 WCCO. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. 
Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Welcome back to Sunday Take. I'm Blaise Olson. Wanted to check in with someone in law enforcement. Uh, Eric Werner, uh, Police Chief Maple Grove, joins me now. He was part of a group that talked with Governor Walls on Friday uh, about the rise in crime. And as we've been talking about this show, everybody's kind of got a role from law enforcement to prosecutors to judges. Chief, thanks for joining me today. Uh, Good to be here. Thank you for having me. So you represent not just Minnesota police chiefs, but you were part of a meeting with West Metro police chiefs in a conversation with the governor on Friday without, you know, obviously revealing any confidentiality uh, with that meeting. What was the tone of the meeting and what are, what are police chiefs looking for at this time when we're trying to figure out this this crime spike? Well, first of all, the um, chiefs that were at the table were a group of five chiefs from the Northwest Metro, which included uh, Maple Grove, Plymouth, Brooklyn Park, Crystal, and New Hope. And I will say that the meeting was very cordial, open, and the chiefs had an opportunity to um, express their concerns, and then we were able to move on to some possible solutions that we think uh, can address the uh, rise in crime. Solutions is one of the things that everybody keeps talking about, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of specifics. And obviously there's a legislative process, there's city councils, city policies. Top line, are there a few specific solutions that you think could have an impact sooner rather than later? Well, and that's a good question because the uh, rise in crime is complex and it stretches across a number of uh, agencies and um, within the criminal justice system and then obviously into the broader community. Um, The chiefs, I believe, was the first concern is how do we just address some of the policies that um, we've been dealing with, particularly at the uh, county attorney's level? Um, there has been some bail reform um, and uh, stop and stop of these uh, sign and release warrants that have been put into place. And we just feel that some of those policies um, are not working and are contributing to this um, essentially catch and release where you're uh, when you're arresting an offender, they're either released immediately or they're back on the street reoffending. So from a very short term on how we can address that is let's take a look at the crimes that are happening, adjust those policies, and then let's bring some accountability back to the system. My guest is Eric Werner. He's chief of police in Maple Grove. He's also representative of police chiefs in the West Metro and throughout the state as part of the police chiefs association. Um, chief Werner, just as we wrap this conversation, how, what's the kind of the mood of police chiefs either in the West Metro, in the metro area, as you talk to people, and how how can these suburban communities work, how are they working together uh, to confront these things? Well, the suburban communities, I think, are very well connected uh, from our communities our, in general and also our police agencies where we share intelligence, we have coordinated activities, and um, we understand the crime that's going on and pull our resources together. You know, for our specific mood, we're concerned. When you have unprecedented rise in crime, uh, that's obviously bringing a sense of uh, unease and, and lack of security to our communities. And I think we're doing a really good job addressing it. I just think if we 
uh, focus on these short-term issues. And as uh, we've been working with the county attorneys to adjust those policies, and as the Chiefs Association can work towards uh, some of the transparency in the prosecution office um, and, and their charging decisions, I think we can have an impact and restore some of that sense of safety. Sounds great. Chief Warner, thanks for joining us on Sunday Take. When we come back, Kendall Qualls, he launched his candidacy for governor this week. We'll catch up with him and see why he might be different in the Republican field. I'm Blaise Olson, and you're listening to News Talk 830 WCCO. Well, it's Sunday Take's last cup of coffee uh, this Sunday. It's colder this weekend, a little snow. Uh, so we should probably talk about the governor's race. The latest entrant on the Republican side is Kendall Qualls. He joins me this Sunday morning. Kendall, thanks for joining me. Uh, so much. Uh, I'm glad to be here. Thanks so much for having me. So um, we met a couple of years ago. You ran for Congress. Uh, you started a nonprofit. Now you've decided you want to run for governor again. Uh, you're kind of the outsider. I'm just going to call it like I see it, as I usually do in governor's races. You're kind of the outsider. What would give you the idea that entering at this hour in this race uh, gives you a chance, A, for success, and what, what different do you bring to the race? Well, I think you, you nailed it right at the beginning. I am the outsider, and that is my advantage, actually, going into this. Um, I believe all voters, not just on the Republican side, but all voters are looking for someone to bring uh, different ideas, bring bold leadership, and find some way to bring us together. And so th those are the reasons I'm running. And in fact, the, the number one issue that we're facing, regardless of political party, is this crime wave that we're seeing. And it's all started you know, two years ago with the rioting and the looting and defunding the police. That was ground zero right here and spread across the country. And that's something I'm going to I'm going to come to bear with because uh, at the center of it all was uh, Tim Wallace that let that allowed that to happen. So um, as you say that you want to be different. There's a couple issues that Republicans have kind of grasped onto from you know the legitimacy of the 2020 election to uh, you know vaccines and COVID conspiracies. Are you different than other Republicans on those two issues? Yeah, I wouldn't label all Republicans on, on those issues. I mean, you know what, <clears throat> when they had questions about the, the election, uh, you know, Democrats had questions about the elections. They, and everyone knows Stacey Abrams' name because she had questions about the election. So I think, if, I think if anything, what Americans want is to know that their vote matters and that it's counted fairly. That's it. Um, I have no, no, you know, qualms or issues uh, with Pre President Biden is the president. I get that. But I do know this, that 60% of the of American people believe that he's not doing a very good job. And the same thing here with our governor, literally 50% of Minnesotans believe, disapprove of his job performance rating. And that's why I'm running. And, and again, the crimes that we're seeing here in the state, we didn't used to live like this. And this can be addressed in short order, once we get a new governor and Minnesotans elect me as the next governor. Our previous two guests today did talk about crime from different perspectives as a police chief and as a candidate to be Hennepin County's top prosecutor. Um, what, when you think about not just this wave, but what we need to do either, you know, as a society, as a community, I agree, this isn't Minnesota. 
we haven't dealt with these issues before. Are the, do you have a plan or is it just, you know, we got to lock people up or hold people accountable? Because we do know that we've learned that, um, you know, incarcerating people is expensive. And some people start out at different points in life with different challenges and different needs that aren't being met. And they turn to this life of crime or they're, you know, or their role models were criminals or that's the, you know, that's the lifestyle they grew up in. How do we stop it? Well, again, this is one of the reasons why I'm running and why I'm an outsider from this race. My life story is a living case study that the American dream, that the promise of America works, regardless of race, regardless of social standing. I came from that environment. I grew up in Harlem, New York, part of my childhood. And I, was, I lived in this kind of environment where, where bullets were flying every day, sirens were going all the time. And it was literally, you were at the mercy of, the, of the mob whenever you went outside. So here's the scenario we, we, we're going to do. Number one, we're, we're a country that uh, follows the rule of law. Just as, as, as short as four or five years ago, we did not live like this in Minneapolis. We could literally take my family in the middle of the night on weekends and you know we're from a show and this was not the same. We right. were following rule of law then. We can do that again now. And I do, ha I do have plans as, as it relates to how do we get young people in a different course? And they've, been, they've already been de-risk. They've already been piloted in other states and we're gonna implement them here. And that's, that, that's a detailed report I will get to later. But hey, look, three reasons I'm running, Blois. The crime issue is number one. Number two, we have people fleeing our state, the state they love. And, we're gonna, and then they're fleeing because of crime and high taxes and the economy. And the third reason is that education. We're going to fix education so our kids can be competitive nationally and internationally. My guest is Kendall Qualls. He's running for governor. He's the newest entrant on the Republican side. We're just a few weeks away from uh, the caucuses. Kendall, you talk about education. Uh, there's a you know, proposed amendment that the legislature may or may not put on the ballot uh, about education. Do you support the page amendment? Uh, what, what changes in our education system do you support or do you think you need to champion because they maybe haven't gotten the attention or the traction uh, that they might if you're governor? So we, we seeing everything happening in education that does, doesn't move the needle. Look, I come from the private sector my entire life. Whenever you initiate something, there's a feasibility study. There's a pilot study that you easily trial before you launch on a wide scale. We have none of those things with critical race theory. We don't have a page amendment, but what we do have this, we do have this as a model. When parents are empowered to make the best decision for their children, those results have better outcomes. And that's what I plan on doing with school choice and allowing parents to be empowered to make those decisions. It's been, boys, it's been six years, maybe seven years now, where black and Hispanic kids, they, they graduated 50% high school in Minneapolis public school system. It is the lowest quartile in the country. That's not who we are as a state. My, you know, I've written about education is uh, growing as a big issue in this race. Uh, Governor Wall's position as a teacher is uh, dynamic to that. 
issue that we've never seen before. Uh, and so uh, I definitely understand what you're saying. But when you throw out terms like critical race theory, that may get Republicans fired up. But when I talk to parents, it's not necessarily about critical race theory, as it is about, you know, obviously COVID learning was a challenge for everything. Everyone has been a challenge for everyone. We could, we could replay that over and over. But it's more, I think, about this sense of kids being challenged academically or not challenged academically. And the idea that college isn't the answer for everyone, but there needs to be a certain level of expectation, you know, whether it's homework or college prep or non-college prep that our kids have when they spend a lot of time on a lot of topics that, you know, even as a product of public schools myself, I'm like, I don't, you know, I was never going to use calculus, right, Kendall? But I took a little calculus. And our kids now have this challenge of, of maybe not having the topics that are going to really prepare them for, you know, a career after or a job after high school. Our kids are not becoming competitive. They're losing their competitive edge nationally. I can tell you that because I've seen the test scores. And even in our best school districts, not just not in the Twin Cities and in the in the inner cities, in our best school districts, test scores are stagnant or declining across the state. And what's happening is, is that our kids, they need to uh, be competitive, not only with other kids in Minnesota, but nationally, and in some cases, internationally. So that's that, that route toward college. But I have a plan actually for a route to, to, to help us repopulate and regenerate uh, the, the uh, what we need in our trades, our professional trades group. There's pilots program that's happening across the country. I want to implement here where they have actually reconstituted vocational education back into high schools. These kids are not just making, you know, coffee cup holders and everything. They're, they're actually partnering with contractors and renovating old dilapidated homes and blighted neighborhoods. And after three years of working on these homes, they're now, they're now, eligible to be really earning middle-class wages and they've partnered with uh, the bank local banks in town to get low interest loans and purchase those homes they've been renovating for the last three years we're going to do we're going to bring new ideas back and there's different ways of having that american dream it doesn't have to always route through the college pathway one of the things we do know is that we were facing a labor shortage before the pandemic now the pandemic has rattled the labor force, people's work choices, people's career choices have changed from careers that frankly, you know, were honorable, um, public serving, public facing from nursing to teaching to police officers. How do we make sure that those jobs pay appropriate wages, get people back into those um, positions so that Minnesota can be competitive from a quality of life standpoint? Well, number one thing is, is working on the economy. Again, that was the second reason I'm running the number two priority on my list is our economic condition here. We're, we're the one of the highest tax state in the country. Uh, t business taxes, personal tax, and even retirees um, are taxed on their social security. So we, we need to we'll focus on that. We need to make sure that inflation and all those issues, that the money that you are earning is not being diminished 
by a bad economy. So those are the things we're going to focus on. And yes, the salaries and everything else we're going to look at to make sure that people don't look in other states for a way for them to, to uh, raise their families. The last part of this is about the Republican process. Uh, you've said you're going to win the endorsement. Uh, I just want to confirm that even if you don't win the endorsement, you're going to abide by it. And how do you compare yourself to your Republican opponents? Uh, there's a wide variety of views, personalities. Uh, why do you think you can beat the Republican field here? Well, he, he, it's a simple reason. Again, um, you know, last year when I started Take Charge, we were asked to speak all across the state. And these were parents and grandparents troubled by what they were seeing in their, in their kids and their grandkids' school system. We went from Iron Range all the way to Albert Lee twice. And what I've heard is, this, is, is really them. This is the people you know, in regular neighborhoods saying like, man, we, we need a, a fresh voice. We need someone with a different voice speaking on our behalf. And currently we have in the, in the Republican lot, we have um, you know, good people. They're, I know them personally, they're good folks, but you know, they've served, they've, they're long-term career politicians. And, and um, you know, people say, well, it's a wide berth. I said, it's not really, there's, there's either a choice of that group, basically Coke, Diet Coke and Cherry Coke, or a bold, fresh, <laughs> uh, you know, fresh uh, taste of freedom that I offer that's different from the other choices there for that we do, we all know. You weren't going to call yourself new Coke there, Kendall. No, new no. Coke, new Coke didn't go well as a Coca-Cola drinker, Kendall. I'm going to give you free advice right now. Don't call yourself new Coke. Cause that was, that flamed out pretty quick. No, I'm talking bold, fresh taste of freedom, my friend. Bold <laughs> taste of, and it's all clear water. See, so, so that, that's the choice. It, it is that it's the franchise vote or the American vote. That that's really what, what it is. And that's what I hear from people all across the state. We need, we need bold leadership. We need someone from outside the system. Governor Walls is obviously going to have resources. Uh, if all goes as planned, I'll be moderating one of the debates for the general election, not to mention we'll have some primary debates here on WCCO. One of the questions I always ask candidates is, give me one thing you agree or can see where the current governor has done a good job. What would you say that answer is? I, I struggle with that, to be honest with you, Blois. And, and here's the reason why. When I look at where we are, record crime and the, all this, and how divided we are, I, look, where I come from, if you don't do a good job in one year, two years, three years, you're just not in that job. And the fact that actually he's looking to be reelected, when we have women in a diner getting carjacked for the second time, not for the first time, but for the second time, and he feels like he wants to run for re-election. I'm going, based on what? I struggle. I struggle with that decision because that's, that's not the reality where most Americans live. Got it. Kendall Qualls has been our guest here on Sunday Take. Kendall, I know we'll talk down the line. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. If it's Sunday at 9 o'clock on WCCO, it's politics and it's Minnesota. I'm Blaise Olson, your host. Up next, The Huddle with Pete Najarian and Mike Max. Pete, a possible candidate for general manager of the Vikings? That's news you can use here on News Talk 830-WCCO. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.